I was not that educated on mental health. I was not that educated on addiction. I understood them both. I have known people that are addicts that have passed from addiction, but I really didn't get it. So that show for me opened my eyes so much to mental health and addiction and to understand the disease. That is the thing that I'm most happy with for me that I got to do on that show. Welcome to another inspiring episode of Knocking Doors Down. Your host, Jason LaChance here. Of course, through my addiction struggles, as well as my mental health struggles that include anxiety and depression, I've developed a passion for speaking with those who have turned their adversities into their greatest advantages. I'm knocking doors down with one of my favorite radio personalities of all time, Ted Stryker. Ted Stryker was a DJ on the legendary world-famous K-Rock for a long time. He also co-hosted Loveline with Dr. Drew, has been seen as a judge on VH1's Charm School and in numerous TV shows and films. But in February of 2022, Stryker's mental health was in shambles. The job he once loved was wearing him down to nothing. Stryker needed a change, and we talk about why the best decision he could ever make was moving to 98.7 Alt in LA to co-host Afternoon Drive Time with Chris Booker. We also talk about why Stryker passed up being the host of American Idol, and in reflection, he notices it was the best thing he could have ever done for his mental health and life path. We have a ton of laughs together, and it was really cool to catch up with Stryker. And don't forget to check out his podcast, Tuna on Toast. He talks to some of the biggest names from the land of rock and alt music, and it's just a cool listen each and every time. While you're checking Knocking Doors Down out, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And if you get a lot out of this podcast, share with a friend. And don't forget the archive of interviews we have. Bam Margera, Brandon Novak, Kat Von D, Charlie Sheen, Edward Furlong, Kelly Osborne. The list goes on and on of amazing guests that have been on the podcast sharing how they have found purposeful lives. Speaking of purpose, how about a lifestyle brand with purpose? 5150 LTM. That's right. Not only is it a lifestyle brand that can fit whatever it is you're trying to achieve in life, but they give back to the community. And you, the listener of Knocking Doors Down, get 20% off every time you shop at 5150 LTM. All you have to do is use the code KDD20 at checkout and get 20% off. And how does 5150 give back to the community? Portions of the sales benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation. Their three amazing programs, the Race to End the Stigma, the Race for Autism, and the Race to Be Drug-Free. More on the Carlos Vieira Foundation, go to carlosvierafoundation.org. Man, this is cool. One of my favorite radio personalities ever, uh, Stryker, a.k.a. Ted Stryker. What's going on, good sir? Oh, man, I'm so appreciated and appreciative. What am I saying? I'm not appreciative. I'm appreciative that I get to be on your podcast because I've been following your Instagram now for a while and you're doing an incredible job. So thank you for having me. Oh, man, that that coming from you, that means a lot. It's uh, one of those validating things, you know, because oh. I have no ego. I'm, I'm, I probably am a lot along the lines of uh, uh, Adam Carolla would talk about. Just it doesn't exist. I don't even know what that means so, or right. self-esteem, really. So uh, yeah, coming yeah. from you means a lot. Hey, uh, I've been asking people a lot about gratitude. Three things you're grateful for today. This may sound silly, but I'm grateful for it. I slept really good last night for the first time in a very, very long time. I'm grateful that I get to be on a podcast. I woke up today and I knew that at 1130, I was going to be ready to go. And I love doing these sort of things. And I feel good that someone wants to hang out with me for a little bit on Zoom and chat. And I can maybe be 0.05% contribution to their project that they have going. And... I'm also appreciative that it's Friday because it's been a long week and I'm excited. And I know that may not be a real thing, but I'm very grateful that after I put in the work today, I'm just going to sit at home and do nothing. 
Oh, dude. No, that's a, a good sleep. Incredibly underrated, especially yes. as we get older. Yeah. Uh, and, and you pulled a, a good uh, radio personality thing there. You even gave the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Our, our whole life, if you're in radio or broadcasting, is time. I, I think I've only been late for work twice in 30 years. Wow. That's commendable. And I'm guessing, you know, because I mean, you started in Arizona, right? After, uh, during college, much like myself, um, but you were in LA pretty quick. So to be late twice in LA, it's really commendable. Thanks, man. The, the, the second time I was late was last year on the Monday after Coachella. I went down there to do some work stuff. And the show I'm doing on Alt 98.7 in LA starts at three with my friend Booker. So I'm like, all right. I'll leave at 10 from the desert. That's like five hours. The latest. Next thing you know, five hours and 20 minutes. I'll pull in late to the show. I was so embarrassed and so <laughs> mad. Oh, hell. Forget LA traffic, man. It's, uh, it yeah. probably, probably was my deterrent because I, I get uh, pissed off in traffic. But uh, hey, this is about you. It's funny. We were joking around. And I said, I, you know, you've done so many wonderful interviews. And of course, Tuna on Toast, your your podcast Thanks, is phenomenal. Talking with, I mean, so many of the artists that that I love and enjoy. But it was hard to find anything about you. And and we agreed, you know, hey, you were on Loveline. We're going to dig in some mental health addiction perspectives. But it said, uh, uh, your wiki said you have misophobia, which is like germaphobe. <laughs> you just kind of laughed your ass off about it. Yeah. That. So, what is it called being a germaphobe? What's the term you just gave? Uh, it says uh, or, like germophobia or mesophobia. Okay. I have never been clinically diagnosed with any of that, but for many years, like, I just don't want to get sick. Right. Not because oh, I'm a baby and I'm going to have a sore throat, but I am a person that likes to be on a schedule and stick to that schedule. And if I'm thrown off, I get thrown off a little mentally. And if I'm missing work for a reason that's not a true vacation, I get a little flustered. And so I don't want my schedule to be messed up because you gave me your cold by shaking my hand. <laughs> Are you a fist bump guy, especially now, like post pandemic? Mentally, I am. But if someone is sticking out their hand, I'm going hand. Okay. Because yeah. we met, we met briefly, and I don't remember if it was like a weenie roast or something. But it's really just a, 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 a like, hey, I was there with like radio, uh, like record reps or something, and it was a distant kind of wave. It know, was kind of, Jesus yeah. Christ! Oh no, no, no! <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I'm trying to remember what it was because I want to say it was like maybe the um, one where Motley Crue headlined or something i don't remember if you were there i'm trying to remember yeah i was there when they okay. headlined so that must have been early 2000s then is that right yep sounds right yeah because i was a big uh, motley crew nut and of course it was like gotta be honest people it's like one of their worst fucking performances ever was I it really to, yeah did you split before the end no 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 but i'm not good at like if a band doesn't sound good i think i know it's not that great but it never sticks with me because i think one thing that i'm decent at is just kind of enjoying the experience sure and so i'm not really oh man vince neil what what is this guy doing right now i can't believe what is what is he he must be on so so i don't remember their performance but that's interesting to hear that of all their performances they weren't that good well it was a, they had a new sound guy and so oh. like uh the, you could hear like nikki's bass and tommy's drum and that's like about it and tommy got pissed off and threw his cowbell and it went skipping off the stage into like the front row and vince was like uh ah, cowbell for one fan courtesy of tommy lee you know and i mean they were pros they pushed through it but that was why it wasn't, wasn't that's good. memorable for sure that is memorable yeah well because foo fighters were before them and phenomenal <laughs> and then the sound was bad, so then people were like, ah, oh, F this, and started kind of leaving. Right. It's like, ah, oh, that sucks. Isn't that interesting, though? Just this week, those two bands you mentioned had pretty big announcements. Right. Molly Crew is playing the NFL draft party. Right. And, of course, Foo Fighters dropped a new song just a couple days ago and announced their new album. 
Yeah. Which is, did they talk who's going to play drums or was Taylor stuff maybe he cut before? No, it's not stuff that he cut before. This is all new stuff, but they have not said who will be part-time, full-time, three different drummers. They, They haven't said anything. Yeah. Well, hey, we'll have to keep tuned to your stuff to find out on that because I want to. I want to know more about Ted. All right. Tell me about you as a kid, because you know I was kind of a an outsider. I really, I I look back and kind of an addict before I was an addict. Didn't quite fit in. So radio was a lot of comfort and entertainment. Mm. What What about you growing up there in L.A.? Yep, I grew up here in L.A. on the west side of L.A. near the 405 Freeway and Sunset Boulevard. There's a round hotel there. If anyone knows where that is, I grew up about. 25 seconds from there. Oh man, I I 1000% was into sports, playing any sport that I could play after school, during school, whether it's elementary school, handball and kickball and tetherball, baseball, basketball, football, golf, tennis. I mean, I but I was not a jock, that's the thing. Right. But I loved it and I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, I think I see it now. I really liked the concept of being part of a team and then getting cohesive and like everyone's doing their part and knowing their role. And if anyone, everyone does that, then it's better for the group. And I kind of, it's almost like my little, my own deep theory on life is like the more you can build other people up, the better we'll be together. And Johnny Carson, the host was great at that. I know that's not topical. He's been dead, but he was the host. He, <laughs> He would not say anything and the guest would be like a plus level and he would just sit there quiet or give him a question. But who was the star? He was the star. Yeah. And so, but anyway, back to the question. So played a lot of sports, um, but I was, I was a shy kid at times, like really timid talking to people. And so I wasn't popular. I wasn't nerdy. I wasn't in the band. I wasn't in a play. I was just, I was just kind of there, but I was on the sports teams doing my thing. Yeah. How then did you, when you, you went to U of A? Yes. How did you then end up even in radio? I mean, was it, was it kind of the same kind of thing? Like just curious about it and you, you reached out and they're like, sure kid or. Yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was studying behavioral sciences at university of Arizona and that's what I got my degree in. And I met somebody while going to U of A that worked at one of the ra- the regular radio stations, not the college station. His name is Bruce St. James. Great guy, great talent, great leader. And I said, can I come see what your radio station looks like? Never once in my life had I wanted to see a radio station until I met him. But I'm like, I, I want to see this. He's like, come on by tomorrow. I'm like, all right, I'll get there. And so I went and I was making him laugh and we were really getting along and I knew a lot about the music, but I'm not a music nerd. Like I just knew like the songs on the radio. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, wait, can I be on the air with you? I'll just turn on this mic. And so I went on a couple of times and next thing you know, he's like, do you want to work here? I said, yes. <laughs> and I started working there. It's crazy. Uh, mine, I was telling jokes in a bar and a guy said, Hey, you want to intern with me? And I said, you want to buy me another Jack and Coke? He laughed. And there it was. That was, Oh really my kinda- God. Yeah. Wait, so when you say telling jokes at a bar, doing stand-up or just being funny at the bar? Uh, my friend's band had some trouble setting up, and uh, they needed me to kill time. If I recollect, I've always told the story that they blew that the, a tube blew in an amp or something. I think maybe just it sounds sexier, but I really don't remember. So it was like 10, 15 minutes of killing time, and I was just like kind of talking to people. You know, I did a lot of improv and stage shit in high wow. school and yeah so yeah so and that's what my major was acting for the camera i was like okay why not you know so but i had to have a couple of drinks in me to do it at mm, that time okay. now it's different you know now it's sobriety right. I, I love it i get a totally different rush but yeah that, that was kind of how it started man that's cool good for oh, you yeah. yeah i got the bug the Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. 
The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. Let me ask you, I mean, because you've had such a long career and, and you know, you've already talked about the teamwork and being a team player, which, you know, a lot of people, I think, don't understand that. Like, you know, you can get out in the forefront, but you got to have people behind you. How have you really like just the longevity of your career, to, you know, changing from, you know, one station through a sale to the other, you know, where you're at now, a booker, which, which no offense, I love, I love it a lot better. Uh, Thanks, no Thank offense you. to what the pro, but what the yeah. previous station was at that time because it was phenomenal. But how have you like maintained your mental health through all this? These ups and downs, man. Well, the most that I have gone through in my own mind, where it's been a struggle mentally, was three weeks before the pandemic started. So for me, that's like towards the end of February of 2020. Then the pandemic hit which threw everybody off, of course. But while it was throwing everybody off, not everybody, but most people, I was going through a crazy job situation where new management came in, they're firing people. Um, and then I'm all, I'm put in this certain place in the station. It's just, it was very, 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 very stressful. But I was just doing it. But as I was going, I didn't realize, boy, oh boy, I am not doing good mentally. And it wasn't until... Mm-hmm like a year and a half of doing that where I just threw my hands up and I'm like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to work here anymore. I am going to leave this place. I was at for 22 years. I have no other job lined up, but I have to do it for professional reasons and even more for my own mental health. I can't stay in this position. I have to get out. And so I did. And you know, I've got a good partner. I think I've got a good God. I think at times I'm okay of stepping out of a situation and looking at myself and saying, calm down. Everything's going to be okay. You don't need to go too crazy here, but I'm really glad that I made that change. It has helped me a lot, but nothing fixes your brain. At least for me in 24 hours, it's like 0.075% every day of getting better. So I don't even feel like I'm back to myself 100% yet, to really? be honest. Yeah. Why do you say that? Ah, I just, that was such a stressful, tough situation professionally and mentally that came out of such left field. I just feel like I'm not back to the place yet of where I need to be. I don't know why I'm not back to the place I need to be yet, but I just think cause I was knocked down so far. Yeah. That's the, that's the answer right there. No, I can totally relate to you. I've kind of been doing a lot of soul searching with that myself. Um, and it's a hard thing. And I don't know if it's just a, you know, an age thing, you get a little bit older. I've, I've kind of had to accept it. Or not except I've had the conversations with myself has part of that part of me that that I'm like, God, I'd love to have back again. That that kid would like that young man with a lot of angst and a lot of fire. Um, or have I just evolved away from that? Am I am I am I something different now? And is this just me whole now? And it doesn't feel like it because oftentimes I wake and it feels like, God, there's something missing in inside me, you know? And, and now my sobriety, you know, my biggest saying is no outside solutions to inside problems. So I've been mm, just really good in a soul searching period of my life. When you mention the angst thing, what do you mean by that? Boy, when I started that in, in radio and just like my personality, there were like, no was never an answer. And I found myself over the last two and a half years. And I don't know if it's that I really worked my recovery as opposed to before. I just, I'll admittedly say I was a dry drunk. You know, I still had a lot of the behaviors I just wasn't using. Mm. Um, 
like where you know where did that angst that fire that 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 not accepting no attitude go and it's not that i lay down or i don't work hard it's neither of those but there was definitely more of a a fire inside uh, uh, or, or something, you know, I mean, I'm passionate about getting and talking with people and, and sharing stories of, of mental health and addiction struggles and overcoming that. But, you know, there was a different fire. I, I don't really know how to, how to quantify it for you other than that. There's something that ticks in me. And I think this is super healthy, but also not healthy at the same time. It's, <laughs> I'm able to understand that if I miss a day of work, it doesn't matter in the scheme of life. It doesn't matter. But also, if I miss a day of work, I feel like, oh, my God, no one's going to care about the show tomorrow. <sighs> Everything I've built up, any credibility I have is going right down the toilet because I'm missing this day of work. It's a really weird thing, which I wish I was better at mentally of just like saying at times, who cares? Mm. But sometimes if you say who cares, maybe the fire that got you here is gone and then you will be done. So yeah. it's a weird thing. Yeah, it's a it's a mother effort for sure. Uh, I'm still trying to balance. I don't know. I might have to message you a couple times. You figure some stuff out about Please. this because I haven't figured it out yet. I, I don't I don't know what that thing is, uh, uh, you know, what that thing that just about me that I look in the mirror. It's like, huh, I'm not seeing totally everything I want to see. And maybe that's just life's path. You know, it's not a. Right. Like they say, a journey, not a destination. And um, maybe something will spark it. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure. Let's talk some of the love line years, man. Okay. Just because, <laughs> A, you, you were phenomenal on it. Uh, one of my favorite periods of love line. But yeah. how did you really start to, you know, sitting next to someone like Dr. Drew and having so many mainly young people reaching out, asking for the, the advice about so many serious things? So when I became the host of Loveline, it was somewhere between six and nine months since Adam Carolla left Loveline. It wasn't like the very next day. Some people are like, oh, you just you took over for him. No, no. It was like seven months later I got in there and parts of me wish that I was way more mature back then, even though I wasn't a kid when I started that, because if someone called in with a non-serious problem. I mean, at times, like I just was, I couldn't help, la I mean, I was kind of laughing, but when someone came in really serious, I mean, then I was super, super serious, but I wasn't very educated. And I don't know, and this is on me, by the way, in 2008, 9, 10, 11, oh no, sorry, 2006, 7, 8, 9, I was not that educated on mental health. I was not, that educated on addiction. I understood them both. I have known people that are addicts that have passed from addiction, but I really didn't get it. So that show for me opened my eyes so much to mental health and addiction and to understand the disease. That is the thing that I'm most happy with for me that I got to do on that show. Yeah. Before the end, I was trying to get, get, get myself in there before Westwood one decided to, to close shop because, uh, uh, Ann's husband, Doug, uh, in gold, I'm buddies with, and I'm like, Hey, if they have an opening for that, let me know. Cause that, that was like the dream job. Of course right. I, I had yet to recognize that I was an addict at that time. You know, I'm like, I can do this. <laughs> yeah. You would have been, you would have been perfect for it. I think the show went four more years after I left, maybe five yeah. years or something like that. Yeah, it was. It, that sounds right. Yeah, I'm trying to remember because it was even... really, it was really a, it was a. Well, there's a few things. Number one, it felt really good to help somebody that's calling that was in need of help. Yeah. Um, the way that I tick, and I don't know why, I when someone's in need, I get, I am like, how can I help? What can I do? Do you just want me to zip my lips and listen to you for ten minutes and? You know, it was tough for me to make any sort of jokes or be funny when someone was calling in with a serious problem. But I felt so good, even though it's only a two minute phone call on a dumb radio show. Dr. Drew was helping somebody and I was right there with them to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And so that that part was really cool. 
And also we had so many amazing guests that were came in almost every single night. Yeah. You uh you can't tell me though that I know you said Dr. Drew helped, and you can't tell me there wasn't you haven't had it over the past decade or so, somebody coming up like, Hey, I called in on Loveline, you talked to me, and thanks, man. You really helped me. Yeah, I've had those, and that feels good. All right. Take a little credit there. Come on, Striker. (laughs) I really need to take credit. But yeah, that's definitely happened. And uh, that feels really good. Again, like how much can you help somebody in two minutes on the radio? But a lot of people really, really got some help. I think so. I think a lot of people really took a lot of the advice you and Dr. Drew lent and took it to heart and, and, and it is kind of the weird concept. And I, I, you know, just talking to you how like, I don't know, I could probably blow up your ego, but you're so humble about it. But, you know, it's that amazing thing. Like, like you are a part of people's lives, like you're intertwined. You know, I, I don't even, I live five hours from LA and I'll still like, you know, every couple of weeks or so be like, wow, I got a gap and I'll throw on 98.7 online and yeah. listen to you and Thanks. Booker. You know Thank what you. I'm saying? So it's like- Thanks, man. There has to be some of it where you go, okay, that's pretty cool. I do, but I do that in times, in weird times. But overall, just looking at the big picture, I say, yeah, that's cool. But when you're in it every single day, it's very hard for me to step back and be like, that was cool. I wish I did it more. I, I There's nothing wrong with doing that. I, But um, overall, looking at it, yes, I'm like, that's pretty cool. But I can't believe that that is me that has done some of these things. Because if I was going to... Mm-hmm bet on people that were in my life from zero years old to 22 years old, I would bet the least amount of money on me to have done this. Why? I just didn't think that I'm someone that had it in me to do this sort of thing. You know, and maybe that's some of that struggle that I've talked about is maybe there's, uh, you know, I've been seeing some lofty opportunities and maybe it's that, I don't know, me, you know, I think a lot of us struggle with that in life though. You yeah. know, I hear it from newcomers, like, like two years, two over two years sober, like, how did you do that? Or, you know, uh, you get, you had some severe anxiety, but you've, you've developed techniques to, to work on it, you know, like, how did you do that? And, I think sometimes maybe we just, I don't know. We don't reflect on it. It's like the guy that you ask for like guitar lessons. He's like, yeah, do that. And you're like, well, how did you do that? (laughs) I can't tell you. I don't know. Right. Which is, I think, why unbelievable athletes that become coaches get extra frustrated because Mm -hmm. they were so good when they played. There's some athletes, they were fine. They were pros, become coaches, and they're great. But the best of the best athletes who end up being a coach, they just get so frustrated because no one can do it as well as they did it. <laughs> Magic Johnson was a terrible head coach. Larry Bird was not that good. Yeah, I was going to say, this actually is a Lakers flannel uh, as a Laker, diehard Lakers fan. And I was, when you were saying that, I was saying it a Magic. It's like, yeah. oh God, that was, that was terrible. <laughs> it was like, yeah. you know, you're one of the greatest players ever, dude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine having Michael Jordan as a coach. It just wouldn't. It, it just wouldn't work. I don't think it would work. Everybody would want to quit. Right. Right. Well, you you brought up you know so many great, like not on just Love Line, but what you're doing now with Booker. Of course, po- uh, folks, I recommend check out ninety eight point seven just online if you're not in the L A area and oh, tune thanks. in with with uh, Striker and Booker. It's, uh, three. You, you guys are three to seven now, right? For three to seven afternoon, yeah. Yeah, so you know, tune in. A lot of fun, a lot of great interviews, and of course, uh, tuna on toast your your podcast. But how have you dealt? Because you and I, you know, like you brought up, there's been many a people in this industry of music that we've lost to addiction, and some mm-hmm. of those you you know you develop some some closeness with. Um, how you know how did you how did you handle some of that stuff? Some of these guys, you know, I mean, Chester. Bennington comes to mind first and foremost. I I'd only spoken with him once, but was just beautiful and jovial and um, you know, so gracious with his time. 
We listened to all those Linkin Park songs all those years, and we were singing those at the top of our lungs, and nobody was nicer to Linkin Park fans than Chester. He gave all his time, and everyone connected with Chester because everyone thought, oh, he's singing about my problems. But really, he was telling you that he is the one that was feeling these things. And now everybody knows that. Not, not that some people didn't realize that before, but now it's just like he was right there for us to help him. Could he have been helped? I don't know. But millions and millions and millions of people are just still say that the loss of Chester is their biggest loss when it comes to a celebrity. But I really like Chester a lot. We did some a lot of charity events together. We went to Phoenix, raised money for children's hospitals. We would go bowling, went to a pumpkin patch. When Lincoln Park first started, of all the guys, I was closest with Mike Shinoda. Mm. I think I was the first to play them. I don't know if that was in the U.S. or just L.A., but I was early on with them. And so I started a relationship because we were at the time super young. And so I was the guy blasting them on the radio and verbally introducing them in my own style. And we just had a really nice bond from what was that? Like the year 2000 yeah. on. But anyway, it wasn't until like 2010 that I became close with Chester because he reached out out of the blue and said, will you host this charity stuff with me? I'm like, of course I will. <laughs> so yeah, that's sad. So, so sad. Yeah. Here at knocking doors down, we share the stories of people who overcome adversity. You know that already, but what you may not know is that our partners at the Carlos Vieira Foundation aim to help people who struggle with their own adversities as well. The Carlos Vieira Foundation helps those in need through their race for autism, race to be drug-free, and race to end the stigma campaigns. You can also choose the Carlos Vieira Foundation as your charitable organization on Amazon Smile to contribute as well. To learn more and support these causes, check out all the info at carlosvierafoundation.org. And I think you bring up that good point, like, could we have saved him? And and it's just a tough thing that I've kind of had to accept in this this area of, of doing this kind of work, because I also work for a nonprofit called Parents and Addicts in Need. And and, mm. and my uh, boss, the founder down there said to me, he's like, hey, Jason, I just, you know, I know you've got a big heart and I know you take it real personal to help everyone, but uh we're not going to be able to save everyone and that's not on us which you know and it's just sad it's just one of those yeah continual heartbreaking thing you know right i mean shoot and then i think about someone like scott wyland who mm. and what a dumbbell i am at one point i'm like scott wyland we're gonna grow old with this guy he is one of the best front man i love scott wyland and then it was, I remember I was at a Christmas party and got that news, however many years ago it is now. I think it's longer than I even really think it is. But like, I thought this guy was home free, going to make it to 80. I was going to go watch him in a casino when I'm 70 years old, play the casinos or whatever. <laughs> just sad. And then, of course, um, Chris Cornell. I mean, we just there's there's just so many. Yeah, the list sadly goes on and on and on. Um, let me ask you, though, being around it, because I did you know, party with some bands over the years. How did you really avoid it? I mean, was, you know, were you, unlike me, I was grew up in a home of addiction. I'm going to guess maybe that wasn't the same for you. Maybe that addiction gene isn't present or were you just kind of a guy that was always focused on the prize, so to speak, you know, your work, you, you've been so dedicated and that's Thanks, really a Thank testament you, to the longevity beyond your, your talent. Cause as you know, as I do, there's lots of talented people, but there's people with really shitty work ethics that are talented. Right. Yeah. I mean, my drive is, I think people have recognized that only in like the last five years, but the previous years, cause you do all the prep when no one is watching. Right. That's when I am like a mad scientist with cardboards, with Sharpies and like thinking about my strategy on shows and like what's the psychology of an audience and what's the best word, almost like a comedian when they write like, what is the funniest word? And, and it's just not that I'm doing that 20 hours a day at, at all, but it's like, yeah, I really think about the performance a lot, but I have definitely at a few times, maybe even more than that, 
like gone down the deep end, but I don't think I have the gene that you're talking to. And I don't know if it's drive or the gene or what it is, but then I'm just, here I go. I'm ready for the job and I go, 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 go. And a year or two later, I, who knows what I do, but um, I think a lot of it, or maybe you tell me, maybe it's luck that I, that nothing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I've just wondered about that, you know, again, because it's, uh, it's, you know, I've had so many different people on this podcast, everyone from Scott Stapp, who's gone down that uh, that road and, and other rock stars, professional wrestlers or whatever that lifestyle, especially with that kind of travel, um, you know, and all the mental emotions that come with it, uh, you know. And so it's just fascinating to me because I was the guy that it's like, uh, I don't want to name anyone, but let's go, you know, some of the big uh, new metal bands or whatever backstage, like, Hey, you want to, you want a beer what, what, with you? Yes, I do. You know? Right. And, and I don't know, maybe right. that says something about what wasn't there in me and that desire to like fit into this thing. Well, I think, I mean, you're a professional, you've got the good energy. Not everybody gets asked by a band after a show or before, Hey, you want to have a shot with us? You want to have a drink? You want to do this? I, it doesn't happen to everybody. So saying yes to do that. And plus there's some like bond that isn't talked about. If both of you are ready to go down the deep end one night. Yes. And so they can see it and probably maybe you and you can see it in them and it's game on <laughs> a few too many times that I care to remember. <laughs> Is that right or wrong? Do you think you can kind of feel it from the person without talking about it? Oh, absolutely. Cause uh, you know, I'm a firm believer in the energy that we put out is totally what we attract to us. You know what I'm saying? Be it, uh, intimate relationships, uh, you know, be that with a partner or just our cohorts. I mean, who we surround ourselves with is such a sign, you know, like yeah. I always tell people, yeah, when I when I really dedicated myself to getting sober, uh, the people just went away. They did me a favor. Oh. It was like, oh, wow, that's all this was. This wasn't a friendship. This wasn't the talks of like, yeah, we're going to start a, a T-shirt line or all, all that shit mm -hmm. that when you get to, to drinking that just comes and flows out that, you know, most people forget anyways. You know, so for me, yeah, as a firm believer in that energy that you're putting off, and I think that's the energy I put off. And um, I mean, tell me your opinion, like all the bands you've met is, you know, people have this perception, you know, larger than life, but there's an abundance of insecurities there oftentimes with anybody in that celeb area. There is it. I think it's, there is, and that's what has led them to the career there. <laughs> Because they're constantly, and I'm probably probably do the same thing, constantly looking for validation. And even if you're at the top of the mountain, you don't even see it that you're at the top of the mountain. You're like, no, there's a mountain that's way over there and I know I can get to it. And everyone's going to tell me how great I am. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you see it in so many people and it's not a, doesn't mean they're a bad person or it's a bad quality at all. Yeah. It's just people have gone through some S in their life. Yeah. And as a result of that crap that they went through, it's led them to the place that they're in right this second. Rock star, radio host, comedian, writer, producer, Jason knocking down doors, like uh, all of that. Yeah. Have you, at, through at your time, sought any professional help for any mental health struggles at any oh, point? Oh, yeah, for sure. 1,000% yes. Yeah. What 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 different areas? Just standard therapy? Have you tried any stuff like EMDR or any you know, standard therapy. I went in every Monday for nine years in a row. Barely missed, rarely missed a Monday unless I was on a vacation or something. Uh, and then I slowed it down and I started picking it up again recently. <laughs> That's a good thing. Um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, people tell me about this. If through, you know, your longevity of your career. I know when I was in radio and I, man, I could work on something that would, would take me 10 hours for eight seconds to put it together a bit, you know, like 30 seconds long. And I think people just think it flows and they may not realize how much we obsess over that kind of stuff just to deliver it to go great. 
Oh yeah. So we're set. Oh, so back to the profession. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, there is no doubt that I think the best performers, no matter what you do, you could be a lawyer in a courtroom or you can be Jerry Seinfeld or Howard Stern in an interview. They make it look like that. They're just thinking of those words right then. But in reality, they have put in so much time, even Chris Rock, so much time for every word, specifically for comedians, word, 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 word. And then Howard Stern, now he's going to present his interview and the ebbs and the flows. And then when I do my dumb thing, it's like, yeah, man, obsess, obsess, obsess. And then, but then when the light turns on, it's time to go. You have to get that all out of your head and just be as low key, relaxed and natural as possible. And then it's going to feel like, wow, this guy, how does he know all these things? How is he doing this? You put in all those hours. That's that's why it's happening. Yeah, a lot of reps, a lot of reps. Yeah, it's yes. funny you bring that up because I, as I mentioned, I struggle with anxiety at times and I hadn't, I hadn't had like a, an attack attack. And mm -hmm. then this morning I did. No. And, and, and I was like, why am I having, oh yeah, because I'm talking with someone else that I have a lot of respect for that also does this. And so I, it's the story I've already built in my head. Like, oh, it's not going to go that great. We're not going to vibe. We're not going to gel and, you know. And it's it's just a trip, our minds and and in the work we have to do within ourselves. Right. So I have two questions for you. How are you feeling right now? Good. Okay, good. And number two, and this is what I try to tell myself is like, who cares that we're what if you flop right now, what is flopping? I wouldn't even know. But if I didn't give you the energy you needed, who's going to really care about it? Is some random fan of yours going to be like, oh, I'm done with them now? No, they're going to be like, 41% uh, of that interview was just not that great. Like, <laughs> it, None of this matters, but I can't get that through my own head. Uh, same. I struggle because and I do have that. I have that complex. I, I want everyone to like me. And and I just it it's. I've gotten better about going, everyone doesn't, and that's okay. It's okay. And you don't even have the time or the energy for everyone to like you. Yeah. I think my, for me, it's not necessarily about people liking me, is I want the experience for the person involved to feel like it was worth their time and that I knew what the hell I was doing. Exactly. Yeah. If someone's going to give me an hour of their time, let alone a, a listener, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. come on. <laughs> Oh, well, good. I'm not alone. Thanks. Yeah, Thank of course. Helping me with some of this stuff here. <laughs> um, you know, I got to ask about some of the other, you, you know, people might recognize you too. I mean, you've done so many different stuff, uh, uh, you know, work at the Grammys, uh, yeah. VH1 reality TV. Was there ever a time where it was like, mm, radio might just go away and you were more into that stuff or... You know, did you just kind of go, eh, I don't know, a lot of sit around and wait, not for me, you know? It's a really good question. So as everybody knows, boy, oh boy, have the times changed. I was a fan of the word mystique and the people on radio before social media, it was always like, what does that guy or girl look like? Do they have long hair? Do they look like a surfer? Does that girl wear glasses? Is she wearing a baseball cap? And when I was doing some of the TV work, there was no social media and my boss and I agreed like mystique was super important. And so I didn't want to leave the radio, which to me, that was everything way more than TV. But then as a result of that, I turned down some really big projects. And if those things would have been happening in the last seven years, I would have said yes to all of them, every single one of them, because I love doing it, but I would not leave radio. I, I'd been on the radio was really fun doing the podcast a plus plus I love, but I want to do. And if anyone wants me more TV, red carpet, internet, YouTube shows, whatever it is, I love it. Yeah. I, I've always enjoyed it too. I did the, uh, you know, a little bit of acting, some commercials in the Bay Area, but I did oh, cool. uh, commentary for professional wrestling, which I have a huge affinity for. And uh, yeah, it was some of the funnest stuff that I had ever done. I, I just, I love doing it. I love playing that That's character great. and stuff like that. So I was yeah. curious for you because, so was that like uh, when, uh, boy, was it Kevin Weatherly was the PD then, right? When you were doing a lot of the stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. And he's great. I love Kevin, but he, he was so protective of his talent, his guys and girls on the station. He's like, no, I'm the one that brought you here. This is K rock. You can't go running off and doing the VH one or Fox or the USA network, whatever it is. And I'm like, you're right. But he still let me do some things, which was great. So it's I have no bitter ill will feelings towards any of that. It was just a different time. Yeah, very much so. But I agree with you. I remember one time on air, I I said, uh, you know, God, what was it then? 925 The Bear, uh, I'm naked and here's whatever band. And literally the phones lit up like, are you really naked? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I would, you know, it's like I would be in jail. Somebody walked in and yeah. oh, Jason's off his effing rocker. He's there, sitting there naked again. You know what I'm saying? But we could paint that picture for people. Right. And, and so it's like a lot of that really went, a, went away, like you said. It did. But also you can still really paint a picture with the right words mm. and you stick to the truth. Um, cause I don't film everything in the studio. I mean, when I'm on the air 98, seven with Booker, I mean, I think the whole thing of broadcasting is painting a picture. Mm. Um, but when we took zero pictures in a studio between 1995 and 2007, now I take five pictures a day in the studio. Hey, look at me a Booker. So here's a quick video. Hey, we're giving away this. Hey, we're going to play this. We're interviewing 21 pilots, whatever it is. Uh, yeah and we just have to it's grabbing their attention we you know that that competition of uh of capturing people's attention and holding it changed so much totally yes and we could do another podcast on that right yep you gotta adapt as a broadcaster especially radio you better not take the audience for granted that they love you because they want to be entertained in five seconds and if you can do that maybe they'll bear down for the next two minutes with you well, and you guys do a phenomenal job of of like I said, I'll I'll pop online every couple of weeks or so and listen to you guys, and you do a good job of keeping me there. Like, oh, sweet, thanks. Uh, yeah, I mean that's the most that, that was one of the things that I from you and and so many other people that I always told was how do I keep people you know to stick around through some commercials or whatever right. it is. You right. know? <laughs> I gotta ask, you brought up uh, some things that came came your way years ago, but now you would do. So can we talk about the rumor of American Idol? American Idol, what do you got for me? Ask anything you want. Go ahead. If my recollection was it Randy Jackson was on Loveline with you guys and he brought that up that you passed on American Idol or something. I can't recollect. I'm trying. You're on the right track. So before American Idol was even on TV in the U.S., I got a call. Hey, there's a show called American Idol. Uh, Fox wants to meet with you. And how strange is that? Like Fox, they want to meet with with me. <laughs> sure. Okay. So I go to the Fox lot, the Fox lot on Pico uh, here in Los Angeles. And I have a meeting with executives for the show. And they're showing me clips from American Idol titled something else in a different country. And they're and I remember specifically like, oh yeah, we're gonna look for a, the next musical star. What's your what's the best pop song of all time? I'm like, smells like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, it's a pop song. You can hum it, you can sing it, verse, chorus, verse. It's the best. I'm driving off the lot. Someone starts banging on my car window from the meeting. Can you come back in? So they offered me the job to be a judge on American Idol season one. I had an agent. They worked out the deal. It was going to be me, Simon, Randy, and I guess Paula Abdul. Right. They were going to have four judges. I, I knew how much money I was going to make season one, two, and three. I knew where I was going to be filming, the date, start, all of it. It was all done. The day before the first day of taping, I had to back out. Oh. I had, they, I, a few things happened at my work and they wanted me to back out for all the reasons we discussed before. And so I did, and you want to talk about a weird mental health thing then. So I backed out, but Hey, I'm still on K rock. This is the number one station, the rock station in the country, maybe in the world, in the history of radio, I'm on it at a prime time. Everything's great. And it was, but Fox specifically said, you're dead to us now. Oh, they said that to me. My agent fired me. I don't. He's like, if you're not going to take this show, 
and this is the money and it's on prime time and it's already guaranteed 20 episodes. What, why am I going to still work with you? You're gone. And so I remember at that time, I got a little bit crazy. Mm. I went in the moment. I didn't realize how nuts I was going because I looking back and in therapy, I, why am I putting in all this work? If I just have to say no to these A plus level projects, yeah. I got to go crazy. It doesn't matter either way. It doesn't matter if I stay up to five in the morning or if I go to bed at 10, which is the time that I really do like to go to bed. I'll just stay up to five. It doesn't matter. But then I finally got out of that and uh, got the eye of the tiger to be back on camera again. And it was a, it's a slow build and I have appeared on some things, but obviously nothing like American Idol. Yeah. But there's also a chance that I was way too immature and was not ready to go from a Z lister who had only been on the radio in LA a year and a half minus Z, worse than it to almost an A lister, maybe being on that show. I mean, that's a very, dude, that's such a healthy way to look at that. That really is. Like, I commend you for that because, you know, we could get off in the weeds of the the negative thinking and self-talk on that. But that's such a huge, mature way to look at that is, you know, maybe that wasn't just wasn't for me. If I, if you put me on a lie detector test right now and you said, do you think you would have gone off the deep end because you would have been famous so fast? And I, the answer is yes. I, the lie would say, yes, you're telling the truth. Mm. I was not, I would, I had seen how famous those people got so fast, like Randy Jackson, Simon Cowell, Paul Abdul back to being an A-lister, Seacrest as a host. Yeah. I don't, I would have been fun and I think good on the show. And I say that confidently, but I think. I really would have enjoyed. I don't know if I would have been really ready though, outside of the <laughs> filming. Uh, do you think you would have gone down the the wormhole of dictum, huh? Well, I no, I don't think that. I just think I think I would have been like, wow, they just hand out TV. You come to LA and they just hand you TV shows. This is life is so easy. Wow, I just go from Tucson to K Rock and now I'm only a K Rock a year or so, and now I'm on TV. This is easy. Yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, that's a very, very good way to look at it. Again, I commend you on a really oh, healthy thanks. perspective on that because, uh, yeah, I know I would have, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I like I knew who Randy Jackson was because of of being a music guy, you know, yeah. and knowing the different people that he had played for and stuff like that. And of course, Paula, you know, you and I are roughly the same age and. Yeah, you know, it's a part of our childhood. We saw her dancing sure. with a freaking cat. I don't know yep. how many times. <laughs> Simon Kella, I had no idea who he was whatsoever. You know, and the only reason I knew of Seacrest was uh, a college buddy of mine ended up um, being a producer for him at one time. I went up to his studio. He wasn't there. And he's, that's Seacrest's golden mic. And I'm like, oh. huh? Oh. oh, yeah. His mic is different than everybody else's. Wow. And I'm like, oh, okay. Right on. That's cool. But yeah, I man. <laughs> but Randy Jackson, so I didn't talk about that publicly. Right. It was it didn't matter. It was it happened and I like to live in the present cuz I'm happy with what my future hopefully is going to be. So I never mentioned it once on the radio. But then Randy Jackson did. Okay. And that was Loveline, right? Yeah, but I he saw me in the building and then I think he said it to Adam Carolla cuz I would mm. just happen to be in the hallway before they started that night. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember if you were on there or not. No, and I was not the host when he said I've honestly he definitely didn't well maybe I don't remember to be honest, but he said it on the radio. Okay. He said he's like Stryker was supposed to be on the show with us. He was gonna be a judge like all that. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, I guess people know. And then Rolling Stone, I think, may have written something, but I haven't really talked about it too much. It's so many years ago now. It's just it's like twenty plus years ago. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing though. I mean, I really, I, that is such a healthy perspective on that. And that's okay. one of those things that we'll talk about like group meetings or I've started working with some really awesome people in mental health and recovery. And, and one dude, it'll drive it into my head. What is meant for you is meant for you. Mm. you know? And it's like, yeah. uh, cause I'll do that a lot. I'm like, Hey, I could have gone to LA and been an uh -huh. actor or, or moved around the country for my radio career. And it's like, whoa, 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 chill out. You know, you, you love your kids, right? Yeah. Okay. Look at what you do have, not what you don't, you know, and that's right. 
that's a tough that's tough that's tough for a lot of people I, i've seen a lot of people drive themselves to that insanity mm. with, with that type of negative thinking like you know why didn't i why didn't i why you know right right yes so yeah I'm, yeah so but thanks for saying that's a good way to look at it i appreciate that it is it's incredibly healthy it good. really is good, good. Uh, all right. We're going to jump into some random questions and then I'm going to leave you with the final thoughts, but, uh, okay. run, if they haven't already heard the podcast 98, seven, when you're on anything else you want to throw out to people and I'll throw links in the podcast description. Oh, tuna on toast, the podcast, it, listen to it everywhere. Everybody from Davey Havoc and Mike Shinoda and Lars from Rancid and Phineas of Billy Eilish and Phineas and Bishop Briggs and K Flay. Derek from Sum 41's coming up and All American Rejects. So if you like stuff under the rock umbrella, tune on toast. Yeah, it's awesome. And of course, uh, yeah, check out Booker and Stryker Monday through Friday, 37987 yes. FM. Uh, and I'll put the link for the website. Listen yeah. online like I do. Sure, I'm not in LA, but I don't know. It makes me feel like home. Like LA is like my second home away from home. So, oh, cool. 5150 is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams and working hard, and always striving to make those dreams your reality. We believe life is too short to sit back and say, what if? Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road. That road you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. So listen up. There's a special deal for listeners of Knocking Doors Down. Go to 5150LTM.com and enter code KDD20 and receive 20% off your purchase. That's 51FIFTYLTM.com. All right, let's jump into this. So you're a big avid sports guy, especially LA. Uh, favorite uh, LA sports figure in history? On the history sports figures? Oh my gosh. I'm throwing a lot out there to you. Okay, let's go with Magic Johnson. Why? Showtime Lakers. It was my youth, the form. He, everything he did was to make the team better. He was so, it was so cool. He was like six, eight, six, nine, and a point guard in the way with his no look passes. Then he filled in for center against the Sixers. I just, and his personality, that those are the reasons. No, for me too. I was about five years old, I think, when I got hooked on Lakers. And, and he helped me maintain my fandom through some really poor teams for sure. Oh, yeah, right, right. Oh, yeah, that's some tough stuff. Uh, last song you listened to on purpose that you personally picked to play. Okay. Um, well, it's not out yet, but I just, just listened to the entire Avenged Sevenfold album. Oh. I don't know if I'm even supposed to say it is freaking awesome. Oh, dude. Hey, you're speaking my language there. So um, that's what I listened to on purpose recently. Wait, can I look at my phone to give you even more of an answer? Yes, please. I can do it super fast. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, White Reaper, the band White Reaper. Not they're from they're from Louisville. Um, they have a song called Pages and a song called Might Be Right that I listen to over and over and over again. Oh, I'll have to check them out. White yeah. Reaper. Yeah, they're good. They've opened for the Killers. They've opened for Pearl Jam. They're a younger band. They're great. Nice. I'll check it out. Uh, yeah, there's this. I'll shoot you uh, a link for it. There's this um, alternative rock band that I got into out of Canada called Birds of Bellwoods, and they're okay. really pretty cool. And they deal with. I actually ended up getting a hold of the lead singer Stevie. He's a, a actor in primarily in Canada, but he's like, yeah, I'll come on, and the whole album's about my struggle with mental health and my sober wow. curiosity mm. and um but yeah stuff that i really connected with i think you would dig i'll have to shoot it your way yes please um all right here's a fun one um dinner with any one person living or not who would they be living or not it would be a family relative of mine for sure that passed way too young um, that would be the best oh man yeah that's that's my choice. 
I, I somebody turned that on me, and that's what I said. A cousin of mine that passed way too mm. soon. That was yeah. just such. She was such a beautiful person. I just yeah. Sit one more time for sure. Um. All right. If you could have one superpower, what would it be, and why? Whoa. Uh, oh. Yeah. Okay. One superpower. Since I have the superpower, I'm not going to get injured. I don't have to worry about it. I would. I'd want to fly. All right. That's it. That's the answer. I don't want to be invisible. <laughs> I don't want to be like made of ice. I don't want to be able to. I just want to be fly. Fly is the answer. Locking it in. Is that just avoiding the TSA? Every time somebody answers that, I'm like, that's the ultimate bonus to me. Well, uh, for me, no, it's traffic. Avoiding traffic. That's <laughs> <a reason. laughs> <laughs> all right being you're a music guy uh this is another one i always enjoy asking people stranded on a deserted island you got one music artist's greatest hits and one movie what are they oh my god the greatest and you don't get to say airplane okay i'm not gonna say airplane so i can't name the inside reference there yep ted striker airplane um so good okay for the I may change my answer in six months from now. I think I'm going to go, I'm narrowing it down between System of a Down's greatest hits, The Strokes' greatest hits, and Nirvana's greatest hits. But the Nirvana Unplugged maybe would make me too sad on the island. Yeah. The system, I may get too crazy with the coconuts. <laughs> um, so I think I'm going to go The Strokes. Okay. <laughs> I dig it. True story. We used to, when uh, System, I was on the alternative station that I started at in Monterey, and we put Pogo on. Oh, yeah. And we'd leave the microphones on and mosh pit in the studio to Pogo. That's <laughs> and awesome. So people would hear us slamming off the walls. and So oh, good. Yeah, we pissed off the management a little bit. And then they'd be like, okay, that's actually kind of cool. You know? It is. Uh, oh my. People just want to be around people that are having fun in an authentic way. That's what broadcasting is. Yeah. Like there are these two old guys on ESPN, Mike and Tony, they host a, they host part in the interruption. It is the greatest show, the best hosts ever because these two old men bickering, also laughing with a wink while they're doing it are just having fun. And I'm like, I want to be in on these guys are my friends every day. And that's all it is. You guys having fun. I would have loved to have listened to that. Oh, it was a blast. Some some bruises and stuff like that, but that's good times, man. Yeah, you know? Hey, definitely. we were doing whatever it was at that time. Oh, the movie. The movie. Yeah, movie. I mean, I rewatch movie. There's movies that I've seen a hundred times from like Pulp Fiction and Wedding Crashers and Titanic and Ocean's Eleven. Oh, God. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Grandma's Boy. Oh, whoa, whoa. Uh, okay, I think I'm going to go Step Brothers. How could you not? I mean, it's just great, Con. <laughs> it's it's going to cheer you up. And it helps, you, at the same time, helps you realize I'm not that screwed up. I didn't have a failure to launch. Right, exactly. Oh, Step Brothers is so, to me, that's the funniest. I laugh every time over and over and over again at Step Brothers. Uh-oh. Uh, uh, two more for you. Uh, pet peeves. Well, I know there's more important things in life, but I just don't understand how people don't use their blinker when they're driving. All it is is like a minuscule move to push the thing up or down. Uh, Ted, I'm here to tell you that is not just a Southern California thing. I don't know how much you get up through the rest of the state, but it's everywhere. Okay. It's just like, yeah. So it's that and people that merge too slow. Like, don't get on the freeway at 35. Right. Just don't. I also don't like when people talk in movie theaters. I hate that. I hate that. Especially to me. Like, right. Like the, the, the common one, what's going on here? I don't know. I've not yeah. seen the movie either. <laughs> Stop. Uh, so I got to ask because, so I, I kid you not. My first radio name was sweet and sensitive. Jason. It was given to me. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So the story was a lady calls in. Uh, had a female that would sit in with me a lot in the afternoons intern and uh, talking to this lady, kind of giving her some, some love advice. Yeah. And then, and then after that, she goes, well, I just, I just don't know if, if I love him or not. And I went, Hey, 
do you fill it in your pants? And then went went, went into the song. <laughs> and when we came back, the co-host, uh, Lily, she she just went, you're just so sweet and sensitive. And people just started to call me that. And it was like, am I really saddled with this? So I got to ask. It's character strikers. building in two words or three words, sweet and <laughs> right. sensitive. They're telling you your character. Yeah, anything but. So at that yeah. time, you know, okay, I'm going to be the jackass. But uh, Ted Stryker, how did it come about? How did you end up with the name? Did you pick it? Somebody else pick it for I'm you? I'm born with that name. I was born at the Church of Scientology in Los Angeles, California. And I, was, <laughs> I really was born in that building. It wasn't the Church of Scientology when I was born there, though. It but, was something uh, different then, huh? Uh, yeah, just a regular hospital then. Um, that's just a name... A name that I like. Is that that was it? They were was they, they like pick your radio name? Yeah, that's it. I was always curious. I was like, I wonder if somebody gave it that to him because he's kind of you know got that suave kind of voice <laughs> and approach, or you know, it's always cool to ask. Oh <laughs> uh, man, this has been a blast, and uh, hopefully we can figure out a way to do it again sometime. But uh, I like to leave the guests, uh, you know, this is the Jerry Springer moment. You get the closing words. Uh, All right, you know, I can't wait to hear them. Anything you want to lend to anyone oh, that's... Yeah, you. Oh, I thought you were going to give us the closing no, words. you. I'm asking you. Yeah, people hear my shit enough. They want to hear from you. Uh, just to, you know... Anything you might lend to somebody, that, you know, through your own perspective and struggles that, uh, you know, you might want to throw out there. This is Ted Stryker with the final thought of the day on knocking doors down. I really believe one of the secrets to having longevity or doing well at your job is you need to be a good hang. And that doesn't mean you're going out every night with your coworkers and going crazy. It means do you show up on time. Are you a good person to work with? Do you have a smile at work? Or are you someone that gossips and shows up late and is always complaining? Put in the effort, be a good person, and good things will happen. And that's my final thought. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast featuring celebrities, experts, and everyday people who have overcome adversities, including addiction, mental health, and trauma to live purposeful lives and that's what knocking doors down is all about